Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters. So with me today is Mark Newey, a leading author and psychotherapist. Good afternoon, Mark. Hello, Jill. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's great to have you here. Mark, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, well, my, my background initially was very corporate, so I sort of did everything I was ever told to in life. I went to school, went to university, climbed the corporate ladder, um, and basically had a breakdown about uh, just over 20 years ago. Uh, got very stressed in the work I was doing. It involved a lot of international travel, absence from home and that sort of thing. And I wasn't dealing with it. I wasn't paying attention to the stress. I was being manly in many ways and saying, no, I can cope. I can do this. And to be honest, literally one day the carpet just went from underneath my feet. And I come from a family that doesn't do medication and tends to be very curious about particularly health things. Not necessarily mental health at the time, actually, but physical health. Um, and so I basically decided I was going to fight my way through the breakdown. Uh, it took me a while to get there, by the way, and um, try and work out what was going on. Because I knew that the problem was in my head. The problem wasn't outside. Mm. It was in my head. So I just wanted to know what the hell was going on. So I, I started initially by reading books, and the more books I read, the more I thought, oh my God, this is it. This is what I'm here to do. So to cut a very long story short, um, I got trained in some slightly unusual things in terms of the mainstream. So I, I got trained as a coach, a life coach. I got trained in NLP, which some of your listeners may have come across, which is neuro-linguistic programming. And I describe that as the science and the art of how the mind works. And then I got trained as a hypnotherapist, which is kind of the unusual one. But the combination of those was critical, actually, I realize now, um, with developing the way that I work. So over the last 20 years, I you know, set up my own psychotherapy practice. Over the last 20 years, I've seen nearly 3,000 people, believe it or not. Wow. Um, mainly helping them with stress, anxiety, and depression. And actually now, two things. I don't see myself as a therapist. I see myself as a coach, a mental wellness coach, and a teacher. Because the big problem we have with regards to mental health is we haven't got a clue how our mind works. Mm. That's really what I'm teaching people. The second thing that's happened is, and this is, came as a bit of a shock to me initially, um, Five years ago, I saw, well, probably less than 10% of my client base was young people. It's now about 70%. Mm. Suddenly, in five years, there's a dramatic increase in need for um, help with mental health issues for young people. Mm. And that, I guess, is a reflection of so much that's going on now with social media and access to things from a much earlier age than perhaps they would have had, or certainly in, in, in our day, when, you know, we, well, when I, I can remember having three TV channels. <laughs> yeah, um, and now, yeah. of course, you can literally access almost anything from a very young age. And I think that's a bit scary, really, for, for young people today. You know, I think there's two things that have contributed. One is, is absolutely that. In a way, they're so much better informed than, than we were because of the availability. Not all of that's good. <laughs> you know, to some degree, we were a bit blind when we grew up. We just sort of got on with stuff. And 
actually in a way there's no harm in that so I, I think it's too easy for them to get access to actually sometimes very harmful information yeah. for a start yeah. uh, obviously there's the there's the the bullying and the catty side of social media and the other area i think this this is very relevant to the topic we're talking about you know kids going back to school is the pressure they're under so much more pressure to perform and to succeed than we ever were yeah uh, and it's lethal and in fact without going to too much detail there was um a surprise as a results from a very surprising survey that was released last week uh, very quickly, the University of Bristol interviewed a thousand year nine pupils across the southwest of England. And this is a, the second week of lockdown. Now, for most of us, we went into lockdown and our anxiety levels, went, they went right up. And they should have done. We're, you know, anxiety, we're supposed to get anxiety. It's our system functioning correctly. What we're supposed to do, though is take note of what's making us anxious and change something that's going on in our life. Anxiety or stress or depression, in my view, are not mental illnesses, yeah. at least not until they get out of control. Now, coming back to the survey, the anxiety levels of those kids in week two of lockdown went down. Yeah, exactly. And you think, what? How? Yeah. You know, and at that stage, we didn't know that the kids' lives were comparatively not in danger from the virus. We didn't know that at that stage. So actually, in all logic, their anxiety level should have been right up there, and they weren't. Mm. And there's only one possible conclusion from that, and that is the pressure that they are under to perform. And the yeah. UK, um, out of 24 countries, uh, had the highest levels of anxiety and feelings of, of, of pressure and so on. So wow. it's a huge reflection on the mental health of our kids, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's sad, really, isn't it, that they have to go through that at, at a young age? It, it is. It's actually, I suspect it'll come out in the interview, but it's, it's, it's also completely unnecessary. Yeah, completely unnecessary. Now, we know that many parents will be concerned about their children returning to school and adapting to what's sort of, you know, being called the new normal. How can those parents help their children? How can we help those children? Um, it's hard, in, in all honesty, particularly given that if the, if the anxiety levels went down during lockdown and they're now going back to school, the anxiety levels are going to go back up again. Mm. And the, the good news about all of this is, by the way, human beings adapt so, you know, for all, well, for most of us, our anxiety levels went up at the beginning of lockdown and they should have done, but they came right, right down again when we got used to the situation. So mm -hmm. I think what the parents need to know is that in a week's time, or at least a week after kids have gone back to school, they'll be fine. Right. Relatively speaking, yeah. they will adapted to it. They will automatically adapt. That's number one. So the kids need to know that is that, you know, in a week or so, they'll have got used to the new normal, the new routines. They'll be scary at first, but they'll be fine in a week or two. They'll have got used to it. And the other thing is, um, you know, all of us, I think, have realised, as a result of lockdown, how important our friends are. Because mm. you know, initially, we were, we were not able 
to contact them. We started to do it over Zoom, which is not quite the same thing. But one of the positive outcomes, I think, of the lockdown is a lot of us have realised, oh, my God, my friends are really important. And that's for adults. For kids, they're even more important. They are, you know, the kids, their mates are so important as to how they live their life. And they're going to see their mates. They're going back to school and they're going to see them. So I think the onus is on the teachers to make sure that they do not create the pressure. And, and the parents, actually, they don't recreate the pressure. They give them at least a couple of weeks to sort of embed in, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the first week or two of schooling, there should be no pressure and it should be fun. It should be play. It, it's that sort of thing. And then, and, and, you know, to expect them to catch up, with six months of schooling, sorry, it's not going to happen. No. So there's no way for the next six months those kids should be put under pressure to catch up because it's not going to happen. Yeah. No. So the whole pressure thing is crucial, I think, for the teachers and the parents not to do. Yeah, no, I think you're right. That you're right. There's way too much pressure. I mean, from, from my thinking back to my kids, um, the first sort of week or two of term is generally much more relaxed and getting everyone to settle in. So let's hope they, they do that even more so this year. Exactly. Even more so. Yeah. Um, many children suffer from low self-esteem anyway, don't they? Although they would never be, possibly be able to describe that themselves. And it's a key role of a parent to boost their child's self-esteem. How can they do that? Well, <laughs> you know, self-esteem is the biggest issue we have in mental health. If ever there was a magic wand, and there isn't, unfortunately, that would be it. Mm-hmm. And actually, you, you say that, you know, so many kids don't have self-esteem. So many adults, adults don't have self-esteem. And there's a number of reasons for this, and it, it, it would take too long probably to go into a lot of the detail. But I think the big issue, and, and the reason the kids, by the way, have even less self-esteem than our generation did, I think is because, well, all of us are brought up to worry about what people think about us. Mm. We're brought up that way. You were, I was, Mm. and the kids today are brought up to worry about what people think about us. Now, question for you and your listeners, how many people in your life actually matter? Very few I have, <laughs> Sorry, I have a very favorite saying and it says what other people think of me is none of my business oh I love that mm. I love that no you're right it isn't mm. um but the trouble is that's the way we're brought up yeah in our day it was what will the neighbors think yeah actually who gives a monkey's what yeah. they think unless they're your friends yeah so I think this is a critical thing and and we adults don't realise, actually, that that's what's behind, um, you know, the lack of self-esteem. It's the fact that we have, have to, in inverted commas, worry about what we don't have to worry about what people think about us. Yeah. And actually, I've just done an interview around charisma recently. And the people who have charisma don't worry about what other people think. No. And the reason they don't worry about what other people think about them is, because they're comfortable in their own skin. Yeah. So that is, being, self-esteem is being comfortable in their own skin. And that means warts and all. Yeah. And if we're slightly weird, if we're a bit eccentric and fine, yeah, that's who we are. Own it. it. 
we but the biggest difficulty for kids and particularly teenagers is the pressure to fit in mm. you know, you actually know, I, I, the way I raised my kids was to say I, you know if they were ever concerned about anything I used to say do you know what the way you're thinking and worrying about what they're thinking they're thinking and worrying about what you're thinking in yeah. fact no one's really thinking about you and judging you because they're too wrapped up in their own thoughts about absolutely. how they appear to everyone else yeah absolutely um so i think yeah um the teenagers need to fit in is a disaster because that's excuse me that I, in many ways i think the job of a teenager is to find out who they are mm. but because the previous six well without getting to childhood theory but um, six to twelve, we learn from the adults in our life. We learn from our parents, the teachers, you know, grandparents, and so on. And really, when we get to sort of thirteen-ish, it should be right now. It's my turn to decide what I think is right and wrong. But unfortunately, we get sucked into this whole fitting in thing. And if you fit in, it means you. It means you change yourself in order to fit in with everybody else. Uh, there's a huge difference between fitting in and belonging. If you belong somewhere, you don't change who you are. Yeah. If you fit in, you've changed who you are. Yeah. And that um, it isn't going to work. No, no, it's going to make you very unhappy. So too many of us are walking around with a mask on, uh, you know, a suit of armour to keep ourselves safe, and we've got a hologram up of what we want people to see. So in other words, what we're trying to do is we're trying to be somebody else. Can you be happy being somebody else? And the no. answer is no. So, the, as I say, the nearest thing to a magic wand is being comfortable in your own skin. So, you know, that I think a parent's duty, once they understand that, and not many of us do understand that, by the way, because we've never been sort of questioned or taught about that, is once they get it, is to encourage the kids to be themselves, warts and all, and not to worry about because generally speaking if you ask the question most people will say the number of people in their matter that uh, their lives that matter is somewhere between six and ten and it depends on the size of your family and yeah. nobody else matters yeah and that that therefore for the parents that needs to be a constant message because it'll take time for that to filter through what people think about you does not matter that does not mean to say you're arrogant you're aggressive it doesn't mean that no. it just means you don't care what people think that's right that's right you and are I, as you say comfortable in your own skin yeah and if someone doesn't like you for whatever reason well this you know it doesn't matter no, and they're not your people yeah if somebody doesn't like you they're not your people so you really don't need to and as i say jill if ever there's magic dust around <laughs> Well, leading a good life as well as mental wellness, it's actually being comfortable with who you are. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, we are actually running out of time, but I really want to ask you one more question um, because we know that lots of the older children, the teenagers, have had to face a world of no exams. And whilst it's a relief for them in many ways not to have that pressure, it's also a bit disappointing that they're moving on to the next stage of their education or their life for those who've had to use un leave university without the validation that exam results can sometime bring. That you know, they've been given results based on their work, we hope, but 
do you think this could affect their own self-belief that they're worthy of that job they've got based on that degree or that college they've got in sixth form college or university that they've got into uh, yes it could is the answer there's, there's no way of you know ducking around that um my my full answer to your question though is it, i'm not ducking i'm not ducking the question but it's looking beyond that with a very positive lens because a lot of the kids can't see any positivity at the moment you know their generation are looking at an uncertain life there is so much less certainty however and this isn't just me being glass half full if we look at if the kids start to look at their careers from a completely different perspective there's loads of good news so what i want to say to you is um the what's going to happen and the education system doesn't recognize this by the way what is going to happen with with jobs you will ask the human resources director of a big company what they want from school leavers and graduates and they have a very specific answer they want emotional intelligence mm. and creative intelligence backed up by academic intelligence so what they're actually saying is in the future, the level of your degree and your A-level results is not going to matter. What matters is how emotionally intelligent you are, how, you, how good you are with people, how you understand how emotions work, and so on. And also, the creative side of things. Now, the problem we've got, and the reason for that, sorry, by the way, is computer algorithms are going to wipe out so many jobs um, that are sort of admin-related and that sort of mm. thing. The two things computers, at the moment anyway, can't do is the emotional stuff and the creative stuff. And more and more jobs are going to be in that field. Um, but the problem we've got is that the education system has nothing on emotional intelligence. And I mean nothing. Mm. And it increasingly has less and less on creative intelligence because things like dance and theatre and so on are being stripped out. However... That is where their future is going to lie. More and more of them are going to be judged on their emotional ability and their creative ability. And so I think the education system needs to change. It needs to take on board emotional intelligence. It needs to take on board um, creative intelligence and also entrepreneurial skills. Because the other thing that's going to come out of this is more and more of our kids are going to be self-employed. Mm. Now, the good thing about that is that gives them much more control over their own future the unfortunate thing is that's a less certain way of having a career than the job for life thing except the job for life thing doesn't exist anymore no no that's right. um so the kids need i think my big advice to parents is therefore is to help kids with their emotional intelligence um and you know there's there's so much on the internet now about mental well-being and emotional intelligence and anything they do that's creative, playing a guitar, you know, drawing, encourage it. Because yeah. those are the things that are going to matter more and more and more. So the good news is there is, a, there is a, you know, there is a focus that will change. What is not readily known by people is that that's what companies want. Uh, and the school, therefore, I think, you know, rather roundabout way of answering your question, Jill, sorry, is okay. that increasingly a university degree and a-level results 
it's not obvious because the educational system that's all they're focusing on but increasingly in the future they're going to matter less and less and less so actually if they can see past that and look at the other opportunities and there's so much information on the internet they're going to flourish if yeah. anything they're going to flourish if they can see a different way of doing their career and last thing to say by the way is when I do get the opportunity to go into schools, I'm always asked for a career advice. My career advice is really simple. For God's sake, do something you love. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is, is going to, you know, that is such good advice for the future. Yeah, I've tried that with both my children. You know, just if you find something you're passionate about, the money will follow. Don't worry about the income. You know, just you're, you're find singing, something. You're singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah. In fact, there's a Chinese proverb that says, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your yeah. life. Yeah, I love that one. There's a great book by Sir Ken Robinson called oh. Fire elements I love, I love ken robinson yeah and and you read that and it sort of explains to you our education system is broken yeah. you know it's not fit for purpose anymore but ah uh, we are running out of time mark so um can you can you tell us how people can access the resources you have that could help them with this whole subject right okay so basically what i've done is i put my 20 years of experience on one-to-one -one work with 3,000 clients. And in October, we're launching an app. So it's a mental wellness education app. So it teaches people how their mind works, how they create their reality. It teaches them about emotions, uh, a sense of identity, all that sort of thing. Uh, and the website address is educate, as in head, educate.me educate.me and also by the way there is a completely free 12-week program that i've called the covid life plan um so this has been running over the last 12 weeks of lockdown and it's basically there are, there's a video with me chatting away teaching and there are exercises there are guided meditations and so on specifically around issues uh, about lockdown so obviously anxiety uh, parental issues uh, teenage issues these sorts of things and it's completely free there is no there are no strings attached so please help yourself fantastic um, the the app um, goes way beyond that the app is a if you did what is the 20 odd minutes of content a day there's over two months of content there wow. and what it does is it takes somebody from stress anxiety and depression at whatever whatever level through to happiness and joy with all the stopping off places along the way fantastic well those will be amazing resources for people and i'll when we have the podcast ready i will post a link to educate me on the brooklyn's radio facebook page um so people can access it there um mark thank you so much for chatting to oh, us. sorry jill one more thing to say mm. if anybody wants to get in touch with me please do um just fill in the you know the the usual contact us box uh, i will always reply it may not be immediately because i'm very very busy but i am if you haven't gathered i'm very passionate about this mm. and somebody who takes the time to contact me uh, is valuable they're taking this seriously and i will reply and wherever i can i will help and signpost people and so on so please get in touch and i mean it from the bottom of my heart brilliant that's fantastic thank you mark Absolutely. So, 
Oh, no, it was lovely to chat to you. So that was Mark Newey, who is our leading author and psychotherapist. Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters. 